Good morning. Had a great week at camp at Fuel. Uh, some of us were there. I see Grace, Savannah, the Driscolls, uh, Jesse, Kayla as well. Great week at camp. Uh, it was an exhausting week, but a great week. Um, I'm feeling a little tired right now. I was feeling a little under the weather because, probably because of the lack of sleep. But it was exciting to hear Missy uh, and her passion to spread the, the good word. And so that, that's exciting. I mean, that's getting me excited now. So I'm ready to go, even though I may be a little bit tired, a little bit under the weather. So to begin with, I'm going to tell you guys a story. And uh, it's a gut-wrenching story. It's, just, it's a story that truly gets me going. And it brings me back to when I was in elementary school. I like to call this story the story of the cookie jar. Now, it was, it was in summer, and so we were off school. It was in the middle of the afternoon. My dad was off to work, and my mom was going shopping. So it was just my siblings and I at home without any supervision. And we had a cookie jar, a nice ceramic cookie jar with the lid and everything. And what it was, it contained our snacks. And we could go there at any time and reach, grab for a snack and eat it, and it was great. It was the cookie jar. And then while my mom was gone, I was going to get a snack from the cookie jar. And I was a little guy back then, still am little, but even more little. Uh, and I was going to reach for the cookie jar, and I remember reaching for it. And as I was reaching for it, it fell, and it fell, and it fell. And then, bam, the cookie jar broke on our kitchen tile, our nice ceramic cookie jar. And my initial reaction was I was in tears. I was crying. I broke the cookie jar. Oh, no, what was mom going to do when she saw the cookie jar? And so I cried. I went downstairs in my room. And no joke, I literally cried for over an hour. I cried over an hour because I broke this cookie jar. What was mom going to do? And then my brother comes downstairs into my room, and he soothes me by giving me a fruit roll-up. And so all was good after that. So parents, if, you, if your kids are ever in a, in a fuss or throwing a fit, give them a fruit roll-up, all, then all is well. And so then I go back upstairs with my other siblings, and I'm having a good time, and then the door opens, and it's my mom. And again, I go in tears, and I'm crying. It's like, oh, no, Mom. I show her the cookie jar. I was like, Mom, I'm so sorry. I broke the cookie jar. It was an accident, though. It was an accident. And then my mama, she got out the wooden spoon, and she gave me a pat on the behind, and she grounded me for a week, and she was so angry. All right, maybe she wasn't angry. <laughs> you got me. It was, it was a miracle. My mom opened her arms, and she embraced me, and she comforted me, and she forgave me. And now we can ask, why did she forgive me of breaking the one and only ceramic cookie jar? And let me tell you, we have not gotten a cookie jar since to put our snacks in. So why would my mom forgive me? Well, first off, it was an accident. And second off is because I was truly sorry for what I had done. I have gone back on my accident. I turned away from my accident, and I repented from what I did. And so this, e or this morning, we'll be talking, I don't know why I said evening, maybe it's because I was talking at feel sometimes, but this morning, <laughs> we will be talking about repentance. So if we'll go ahead and open up with the word prayer. Father God, uh, you're just such a great and marvelous God. Father, I just thank you for letting, letting us have such a great week at Fuel last week. I just ask that you be with everyone who was there 
and then they can grow from that experience. Uh, Father, I just ask that you be with Missy. Uh, just continue to give her the passion to share the good news. And just be with everyone else as here as well. Just give them the passion to share the good news, the gospel message. And God, just ask that you speak through me this morning and that you open uh, your children's uh, eyes, ears, hearts, and minds as they uh, listen to your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, so the last couple of weeks, we were talking about the gospel. And remember, if we can remember, the gospel has three parts, the kingdom, the cross, and the resurrection. And I, I was getting really excited talking to you guys about the gospel, and it's exciting to see someone have that same excitement as Missy sharing this good news with their brother, and that can be very difficult at times. But this morning, we're going to be talking about repentance, and if we can go ahead and flip to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3, and we're just going to read one verse, verse 19. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it says, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. And now we have been talking about the good news the past couple weeks, the good news of the kingdom, the cross, and the resurrection. But without repentance, we, we won't receive forgiveness for our sins. We can't, re, we can't accept the free gift of God, of eternal life, through the cross, through Jesus Christ, as he suffered and died on that cross. And we can't partake in God's coming kingdom if we don't truly repent of our actions. For here it says in Acts 3.19, that it says, Repent, therefore, and turn back. Why are, we, why are we repenting? So that your sins may be blotted out, and that we can accept the gift of God, accept the gift of Jesus on that cross, and so we too can partake in God's coming kingdom. And so repentance is a major topic of the Bible, and we're going to go ahead and uh, go to Matthew, the book of Matthew, and we're actually going to read two verses uh, that we read last week. The first is Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. We'll start in verse 1, and it says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John the Baptist, as we know, his, his duty was to prepare the way for Jesus, his cousin, our Savior and our Messiah. John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus. And to do that, we talked about how he was preaching about the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, but we also see that John the Baptist was preaching about repentance. His message was repent. Now, why do we repent? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If we flip just one chapter, Matthew chapter 4, uh, we're going to read verse 17, again, a verse that we read last week. It reads, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, his message was, repent. And now why are we repenting? It's because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance was at the core of Jesus' ministry. Just as the kingdom was at the core of his ministry, repentance was also at the core of Jesus' ministry. And so we may ask, what is repentance? I'm sure Many or all of us have heard of the word repentance, but it's kind of a word that you don't really hear outside of the church very much, and so there could be some misunderstanding as to what repentance means. Now, the Greek word for repent is maaneo, and that can mean either repentance or to change your mind or purpose. 
And according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, repent can mean to turn from sin or to feel regret or remorse. So in other words, repenting is the act of truly feeling sorry for what we have done and then turning away from that action. And we're going to be talking about how there are three steps to repentance this morning. The first step is sin. We go along, we're living in our sinful ways, and we're full of sin. And then the second way is to, the second step to repentance is truly feeling sorry for what we have done, a true godly sorrow. And then the third step to repentance is turning away from that action and turning away and turning towards God and living a godly life. So we'll start with the first step, sinning. Sinning is the first step to repentance. And this is a step that we don't really need to practice on. We don't really need to work on it because we all sin naturally. Now, how many of you guys have a favorite Bible hero? A few, all right. I'm sure we have our own uh, favorite Bible hero. My favorite Bible hero is David. And David was described as, uh, uh, as a man uh, after God's own heart. However, even though David was described as a man after God's own heart, David was a sinner. A lot of our Bible heroes, most of our Bible heroes, all of our Bible heroes, other than Jesus Christ himself, have sin, and they had sin in their lives. David, he had an affair with a man's wife, and then he had that man killed in battle. Abraham lied about Sarah not being his wife two times, the same exact lie. Jonah, he ran away from God and his plans. Peter, Jesus' closest disciple, his best friend, denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times the same night that he promised the Lord that he would not deny him. James, the half-brother of Jesus, he didn't initially believe Jesus to be the Messiah. Jesus' own brother didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ. Aaron, he made a golden calf idol to take the worship away from Yahweh. Paul, he zealously persecuted Christians and killed many, many Christians. Those are our Bible heroes. Those are the heroes of our faith. When we read through our Bible and we see these great people, these are the people that we look up to. These are our role models through the word. But these people all have sin in their life. David, my favorite Bible hero, he would be sentenced to jail for life if he lived in today's society. He, killed, he had a man killed and he committed adultery against the man's wife. Paul He'd be sentenced to jail for life. He killed many, many Christians. If Paul lived in our society, then some of our lives would be in danger before he uh, repented of his ways. These are our heroes of the faith. They stood up God and rejected his will for them. These heroes knew what they were doing, but they did it anyways. They sinned. And we can read in Romans 3, 23 which is a couple books over. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans 3.23. It reads, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's simple. We can't misunderstand that. Everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
The path of sin is inevitable. We all have sin in our lives, and we all will probably continue to sin in the future a bit or have some sin left in our lives. And so the first step to repentance is sinning, and we all have sin in our lives, just as our great Bible heroes had sin in their lives. Now, the second step to repentance is you truly have to feel sorry for your actions. You have to feel sorry for what you do. So we, we're sinning, we're living a life of sin, but the second step of repentance is you truly have to feel sorry for what you have done. And then there are two different kinds of sorrow that we can see in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. So if you can flip to 2 Corinthians 7, 10. I'm going through a lot of verses here at the beginning. This is Paul writing, and he says, For godly grief or sorrow produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief or sorrow produces death. So here Paul distinguishes two kinds of sorrow. There's an earthly sorrow and there's a godly sorrow. And we can see that the godly sorrow, it leads to repentance, and that repentance leads to salvation. This is the kind of sorrow where you truly are sorry to God. You're truly sorry to God for what you have done, and you want to reconcile your relationship with God because what you have done. You are sorry that you offended God. God hates sin. A godly sorrow is truly feeling sorry to God and seeking repentance, and that repentance leads to salvation. And on the other hand, Paul says that earthly sorrow leads to death. Now, earthly sorrow is when one may fear the earthly consequences that we can face here, such as maybe going to jail or having parental punishment or the loss of job, or there's a lot of earthly punishments that we can have here on earth for the sins that we have. And an earthly sorrow is kind of fearing those punishments that we may have. But a godly sorrow is truly feeling sorry for what we have done to God. And again, godly sorrow leads to repentance, which leads to eternal life. And then earthly sorrow leads to death. So we need to be careful that when we sin, and we sin when we feel bad, we need to be careful to have a godly sorrow, not an earthly sorrow, because a godly sorrow leads to repentance, and that repentance leads to eternal salvation. So when you sin, truly feel sorry to God for what you have done, because your heavenly Father, your daddy who loves you so much, who sent his son Jesus to Christ, sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins, he hates sin. He hates to see his children sin. And so when you sin, have that godly sorrow. Truly feel sorry to God for what you have done because that godly sorrow ultimately leads to eternal salvation. If we go back to the infamous cookie jar story, if I intended to break the cookie jar, then a godly sorrow would, would look something like this. I would truly feel sorry to my mom, to my family members for breaking the cookie jar. And I would feel sorry because I did not truly love them as myself. I would feel sorry to God as I did not truly love his other children as myself. That's what a godly sorrow would look like. Now, an earthly sorrow, if I intended to break that cookie jar, an earthly sorrow would be me fearing the whooping that would come my way when my mom figured, learned that I broke the cookie jar on purpose. Are you serious? That's an earthly sorrow, fearing the punishment that could be coming our way or the consequences that could be coming our way. And to help illustrate uh, the idea of a godly sorrow, we'll go ahead into the Old Testament and flip to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 18, we're going to be looking at. 
one of the five major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and then Daniel. So Ezekiel is one of the major prophets, and chapter 18 of Ezekiel starts off like this. The word of the Lord came to me. So what we're about to read is, it's, it's Ezekiel talking, but it's God talking through Ezekiel. So this is God's word, what we are about to read. And we're just going to go ahead very quickly run down through Ezekiel chapter 18. And six times it refers to sin leading to death. We can see in verse 4 it reads, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. Verse 13. Lends that interest and takes profit. Shall he then live? He shall not live. He has done all these abominations. He shall surely die. His blood shall be upon himself. Verse 18. As for his father, because he practiced extortion, robbed his brother, and did what, what is not good among his people, behold, he shall die for his iniquity. Verse 20. The soul whose sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Verse 24. But when a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice and does the same abominations that the wicked person does, shall he live? None of the righteous deeds that he has done shall be remembered. For the treachery of which he is guilty and the sin he has committed for them, he shall die. Verse 26. When a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. For the injustice that he has done, he shall die. And now six times in this one chapter, six times, Ezekiel says through God, acts as a prophet and says his word, six times, God is telling us that, listen, the soul who sins, if you sin, you shall die. This should provoke us to have a godly sorrow. Because six times in this one chapter, he says, for the soul who sins shall die. And I'll be the first to admit that I have sinned in my life. So I deserve death. My soul shall surely die because of the sin that I have committed. And so let that help you have a godly sorrow. A sorrow that leads to repentance and then leads to eternal life. A godly sorrow because we deserve death. We shall die for what we have done. Now, the final step to repentance is you actually have to turn away from the sin that you have committed. Now, this is the hardest step. The first step, sin, that comes naturally. We don't need any practice with that. We're trying to rid that of our lives. That comes naturally. The second step is having a true godly sorrow. Now, this takes some effort. This takes some effort to truly feel sorry for what we have done. This can separate us from those outside of the church, those outside of the faith of Christianity. They probably don't have a true godly sorrow for the action. So that takes some work. That takes some work to have a true godly sorrow that leads to repentance and which leads to life. But the third step of repentance is the hardest. It's where you sin 
and you feel sorry, but the key part of repentance is you have to turn away from that sin. You have to physically turn away from that sin. And I can stand up here and preach to you guys saying, just repent, all right. Repent from your sins for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's that simple. But we all know that it's easier said than done. It's hard. It's hard at times to truly repent from our sins. However, the one who completes the final step of repentance, they are a true heroes. We talked about the Bible heroes earlier. David, Abraham, Jonah, Peter, James. These are heroes of the faith. They're not the heroes of our faith because they have sinned. Yes, they have sinned, and a lot of them would be put in prison for life if they lived in today's society. These people have done grave, grave things to other people. They have ended other people's lives. This is some wicked sins that our Bible heroes have committed. And so they're not our Bible heroes because of this wicked sin they have committed. They are our Bible heroes because they repented. Our Bible heroes are heroes because they sinned. They had a godly sorrow. And then from that godly sorrow, they turned from their actions. They turned from their wicked and sinful ways. David, the selfish murderer, repented and was a man after God's own heart. Abraham, the liar, repented and made a covenant with God and is the father of God's chosen people. Jonah, the heartless, repented and spread the message to Nineveh. Peter, the denier of Christ, repented and was a crucial early church leader. James, the half-brother of Jesus, the doubter of Christ, repented and was another crucial early church leader. Aaron, the idol-maker, repented and aided Moses in leading God's chosen people to the promised land. Paul, the mass murderer of Christians, repented and was an important Christian forerunner and wrote nearly half of the New Testament books. These are our heroes of the faith because they repented. They turned from their wicked ways, these wicked ways that they're going, and they turned from them and they were seeking God. They were seeking to live a godly life. These are true heroes because repentance, it isn't easy. It's not easy to truly repent from your sins. But let me tell you, you can be a hero of the faith as well. If you repent from your ways, if you, if you repent from your ways such as David who killed a man and committed adultery against a man's wife, he repented and he was described as being a man after God's own heart. That would be incredible if on the judgment day Jesus said, Kyle, well done, my good and faithful servant. You are a man after God's own heart. What a privilege that would be to be described as a man after God's own heart. And that describes David, the man who sinned and killed a person and committed adultery. But he's described as being a man after God's own heart because he turned from his ways. He sinned. He truly felt sorry 
to God. He had a true godly sorrow, and that godly sorrow led to the full process of repentance where he turned from that action. He turned from his sinful and wicked ways, and he sought God, and he is a man after God's own heart. And so you too can be a hero of the faith if you repent of your ways. And if you're still in Ezekiel chapter 18, after we just read six times that it states, the soul who sins shall die. That's the subtitle that my Bible gives here for Ezekiel chapter 18. The soul who sins shall die. What a brutal chapter. As six times God tells us that if we sin, we shall deserve death. But at the end of this, I want to read verse 30 through 32. It reads, Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. God takes no pleasure in the death of anyone. Just after six times he said that the soul who sins shall die, after he said that six times, he says he does not delight in anyone dying. It is your Father's perfect will that you should seek him and that you should have everlasting life in the coming kingdom. But we can only partake in, in God's coming kingdom if we read in verse 30, it says, Repent and turn from all your transgressions. After we are firm that we are going to die for the sins that we have committed, God says, Repent and turn from your transgressions. For God has no pleasure in the death of anyone. In Exodus 34, 6 and 7, as God describes himself to Moses and the Israelites, he says he does not leave the guilty unpunished. God is a just God. God seeks justice. And unfortunately, we do deserve death. We do deserve death for the sins that we have committed. But, but if we repent, we can have our sins forgiven. Through repentance, we can accept the gift of Christ Jesus suffering on that cross. We can accept that gift through repentance and have our sins forgiven. This is good news. God does not desire that any of you dies. God desires that each and every one of you makes a decision to repent from your ways, repent from your sinful and wicked ways, and seek after God. I just want to leave you guys off with one last verse. And again, this is a verse that we've been uh, flipping to uh, earlier. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. At Fuel, I was in charge of uh, doing the verse of the day, and I had to encourage people to memorize God's word. Psalms 119.11 states, For I have hidden your word in my heart, so that I might not sin against you. Romans 6.23 is a verse that we've been going to a lot through these past couple of weeks. It's one of my favorites. I strongly encourage you guys to hide this word in your heart so that you might not sin against God. 
Romans 6.23 states, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you repent from your sins and you have faith in Christ and God, your sins will be forgiven. When our sins are forgiven, we no longer have to pay the wages of sin. For the wages of sin is death. But when we repent and we accept that free gift of God, of eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, when we accept that gift, we no longer have to pay the wages of sin. And instead of paying those wages of sin, we receive the free gift of God, which is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the good news. This is good news. As we've been talking about the past couple weeks, we have a free gift. We have a free gift. Even though we deserve death, even though the, the soul who sins shall die, even though all of that is true, we have a free gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, through that cross And we accept that gift through repentance. We accept this gospel message through faith, and that faith leads to repentance. Let's pray. Father God, just thank you so much for the gospel message, the good news, the message of the kingdom, the cross, and the resurrection, that you truly have promises for us a promise for us that we can partake in your coming kingdom. God, I just ask that we seek first your kingdom. And in doing that, that we must repent from our sins. Father, just please help us. Please help us have a godly sorrow when we turn from your ways. And let that godly sorrow lead to repentance. And we can be affirmed through 2 Corinthians 7.10 that that godly sorrow leads to repentance and that repentance leads to eternal life. Father, just please help us have that passion to do what is right. Have the passion to seek your son and your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.